Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades podcast, episode 133. I'm your host, John X. Thanks for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. On this week's show, I've got someone who I met a couple of years ago, and I instantly liked her enormously. She's a tremendous person, a talented artist, and a brilliant filmmaker. I'm talking, of course, about Eileen Agosta, and she is part of this expanding universe that I like to call it of local independent film that I have somehow become a part of. And it's an enormous thrill and a huge pleasure to get to see films made in our own backyard on small budgets for a small group of people who have the privilege to see them. Because there is so much good and cool and interesting work going on in this town, I'm just thrilled to pieces to get to highlight some of it. And Eileen is right now just about to finish her feature film called Trauma. She's hoping to wrap it up this May. She's been working on it for a long time. And we spent some time talking about what it's like to make an independent film around the margins, where everyone's working a day job. They get together, they shoot film, they they act in these projects together, not for glory or fame or money, but just for the sheer joy of creating art together. And having fun and If you have stories to tell, if you have talents that you like to, I don't know, put out into the world, this is a great venue to do that with. And so highlighting Eileen and talking about her work in the Emerging Filmmakers Project and Colorado Independent Women of Film and her own company, TMD Films, 12 Monkeys Dancing, it's just fantastic. So I'm pleased to bring you this episode. I I think you'll get a lot out of it. It's really fun to me. And you know this about me. I mean, this is obvious in terms of my show, but I like talking about how the sausage gets made. And making a movie is no joke. I mean, I share a story from college about making this little five-minute silent movie for class, and it took me forever. Like, me and my partner, Kyle, we worked on that thing a lot. Like, a lot of hours went into that for just five minutes of silent footage. So, putting together a feature film, it's kind of a monumental Herculean task. Getting an inside view into that with Eileen is just tremendous. So we'll get to her episode in a second. Quick plug here, because I've talked about on the show the last couple of weeks how I won the Westward Reader's Choice Award for Best Denver Podcast in 2017. Huge honor. Big thrill. Now, the only thing I would say that was a mild disappointment, very mild, was that the Reader's Choice does not get the write-up in the Westward. They don't get the nice little paragraph. They don't get the narrative talking about why their show is good, why their show is interesting, why it's award-worthy. No, that goes to the staff choice. And this year's staff choice was Changing Denver. Now, you've heard an ad for Changing Denver before this show. I, I air it probably once every third or fourth show. And I've met Paul Caroli. I met him about a year ago. He's just a terrific guy. He's a talented writer, he's a brilliant podcaster, and he puts together just a tremendous show about Denver's changing spaces and how they change us. That's sort of his tagline. So just want to give him a shout. If I were to lose to anyone in terms of Best Denver Podcast, it would be him. 
because he puts on just a fabulous show, and I'm pleased to bring it to you. So here's Paul in his own words about his show. Hi, my name is Paul Caroli, and I host a podcast called Changing Denver. It's a monthly show about our city's physical spaces, how we make them, and how they make us. But it's so much more than that. It's the conversations, ideas, and stories that define Denver's perpetual state of flux. Find more from our team at changingdenver.com and join the conversation on Twitter at Changing Denver. Denver's changing. We can help. Go to changingdenver.com. Listen to Paul Caroli's show. You will not regret it. You'll get a lot out of it. It's a fabulous show, and I adore Paul. So, Paul, that one's for you. I can't wait to see you again sometime soon. Now, on to business. This week's show, episode 133, features Eileen Agosta. She is everything, really, at 12 Monkeys Dancing Films. You can find them at tmdfilms.com. But before you do that, you ought to listen to her here on my show. So, episode 133 of the podcast, Eileen Agosta, independent filmmaker. Her episode starts right now. Five or six nights? Five nights, I think? <laughs> I think about for a second. Five nights is a long time to be in Vegas. It's a long time. I was only I was on the strip for like a Wednesday, Thursday, and then I went to the Red Rock uh, Casino for the next three, which was a little quieter. Wait, where's that? Is that out like in Henderson? I believe it's, is it in Henderson? It's, it's like 15, 20 minutes off the strip. It's out kind of near that Red okay. Rock Canyon. A little more mellow, a little less a little, st- stimuli. Yeah. It was, it was more laying around the pool reading a book than walking the strip. Cause even by Friday morning, it was like, all right, it's starting to get a little too, uh, <laughs> amateur hour for me. It's uh, yeah. A little too packed. You know, it's funny. I haven't been to Vegas in like five years. And, uh, the last time I went, so my wife and I, you know, we're a little older. Like I, I used to going to Vegas when I was like 22, and, you know, you're just up all night and you're crazy. But, uh, we were actually up in the morning. And so it's like nine 30 because we both work day jobs for so long that we can't get up, you know, we can't sleep in anymore. Yeah. And we actually walked the strip in the morning. It's lovely. Like, yeah. <laughs> have you ever done that? I, there was uh, one morning I, I sat outside and had breakfast, like, kind of early in the morning. It's yeah. like, this is kind of peaceful, actually, a little. We're not peaceful, but it's kind of pleasant, almost. It's The fountain was going, and it was like, oh, there's not drunk people everywhere. <laughs> yeah, and that, there's a few lunatics, like, running down the strip. And I thought, <laughs> if you're going for a run, that's probably pretty nice, and you're going to have a lot of real estate to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not till late morning that, uh, yeah. well, you know, that I started drinking again. Right. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, no clocks in Vegas, so who cares, right? It's noon, right. It's noon somewhere. <laughs> uh, what were you doing out there? Oh, just, just taking a little time off. My boyfriend, uh, had gone on spring break with his son. They went to Disneyland. So, nice. and they were driving back that way. So it's like, oh, well, we could just meet up at the end for, for like two days and hang out. But I figured out maybe I'll just go out a couple of days early myself and just, See what happens. <laughs> did you uh, did you see something that you hadn't seen before there? Did I see something I haven't seen before? Uh, you know, and I'm trying to think. I don't. I don't know that I did. It was actually. It seemed tamer than than I've been. Although I was walking back, I walked by the Bellagio apparently ten minutes before it caught fire, which I thought was <laughs> okay. kind of funny because I was walking back to my hotel and uh, uh, I saw all these fire trucks going by, and I was like, well, "That's not. That's." Nothing unusual. There's usually yeah. something going on. I was like, oh, I got back to my room and checked Facebook. I was like, oh, the Bellagio got fire. 
That's never good. Um, I did see a show for the first time in years, which I haven't. I don't know that I've ever actually seen a show out there. Yeah, what'd you see? Uh, Absinthe over at Caesars. Uh, is that like Cirque du Soleil kind of thing? Or? It had a little bit of a It's not an official Cirque du Soleil, but it had a little bit of that vibe. It's sort of like a, a circus. Uh, it's in a big tent or a small tent that feels very big inside. And it's almost like right. little circus acts and there's some acrobatic stuff and it's very, very adult version of it. Okay. <laughs> it, was, it was fun. Well, that sounds fun. Uh, when I went last time, I saw a show for the first time too. I went and saw Penn and Teller and those guys was, put on a great show. Yeah. I, that's on that list of shows. I'm like someday it's, yeah. it's only been there for how many decades? <laughs> no kidding. I mean, and those guys are tireless in, in terms of the way they do their shows. Uh, and that Rio auditorium that they have is really nice. So uh, I highly recommend that one. You get um, you get a show, you get some magic, and you get some sort of uh, libertarian politics, too, <laughs> if you know anything about Penn. Yeah, I was like, That's, that sounds about right. <laughs> um, he'll he'll uh, rant and rail about how awful the TSA is. It's weird, and you're like, what show am I watching? <laughs> All that for the price of one. What could you want? <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone loves a little politics with their entertainment, right? <laughs> right. But, uh, okay. So, Eileen Augusta, you are the, what should I call you? 12 Monkeys Dancing Film, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, TMD Films, is, I, I should go by short, but 12 Monkeys Dancing Films, that's me. And what's your title then? Oh, gosh. Uh I'm a director, I'm a, a writer, a producer. I, 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 it's really just me in, in okay. TMD Films, so I guess it's... <laughs> so you are everything. Everything from president and CEO to director to creative director yeah. to custodial to, services, to, yeah. right? <laughs> Human resources and... and uh... <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so you're an independent filmmaker. Yes. And so give me a snapshot into some of the work that you've done and... Uh, Take me through a little bit uh, what you do as an independent filmmaker because I think when people understand that, you know, they picture Kevin Smith, right? Mm -hmm. Or they picture like Tarantino in the 90s or something or uh, like how Wes Anderson got started. But in terms of filmmaking, what goes into that? What's some of the work that you've done? Oh, boy. Uh, some of the work that I've uh, <laughs> And I'm sorry, maybe... I, uh, so. Some of the work that I've done or what goes into being an independent filmmaker? I... Answer that however you want. Okay. Because, I mean, I, I asked that with like nine questions in it. <laughs> Truly a skilled interviewer. It's amateur hour over here. But, uh, yeah, uh, answer that in any way you want. Well, I uh, I guess the, the type of – I'm an independent filmmaker, but I'm a low-budget independent okay. filmmaker, which means that I kind of do – I probably wear more hats than I should. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I, I – for most of the films that I write and direct, I also produce them, and I also usually end up being the first assistant director who puts mm. together all the the, the the script breakdown and, and puts together the call sheets and figures out what we're shooting when, and I'm also <laughs> the one who goes out and finds the locations and wow. who does the casting, and I, uh, until recently, when I've uh, finally brought some help on to my most recent film, uh, I was the person who did the catering for the shoots and made sure the wardrobe was there. And so um, when you do catering for the shoots, are you like in your <laughs> kitchen, like cooking stuff for people? I uh, sometimes, yeah, it depends on wow. where we're at. If we're on location, if, if we're going to be somewhere that has uh, access to an oven or something, I'll try to maybe put together something that can go in the oven, like towards the end of the day for us <laughs> to eat. But, um, most recently, like with the film I'm working on, it's been a lot of, uh, just having cold cuts and right. and cutting up 
uh, vegetables beforehand. Just picking up like a deli tray and stuff. And stuff like yeah, it, it depends on how little time I've I've run out of. But um, right. I try to I try to put as much effort into it as possible. But yeah, fortunately you can get anything in tray form. It seems these days. Oh yeah, of course. And uh, I mean, you don't want a hangry cast and crew, right? No. <laughs> people people don't do their best work when they're when they're hungry. They they don't, and and I. I do my best to try not to just do pizza at every shoot. Um, sure. Every once in a while, uh, we had a shoot a few, God, it was probably a year ago now where, you know, I had a lasagna and dropped it, <laughs> taking it out of the oven. So ah. it was pizza that night. <laughs> that had to be heartbreaking. <laughs> it was a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it had been such a long day and it had started to rain right towards the end. And I was like, oh, good. We're going to go inside and have lasagna and it's going to be amazing. And, I just was exhausted and not <laughs> at my best and just whoop, right on the, all over the snow. Ah, <laughs> oh, that sucks. That sounds brutal. Um, what are some of the things that you've done? Like what, tell me uh, about some of your films. I, I, when I was in college, I, I attempted a couple of features. Where'd you I, go? I went to CSU up in Fort Collins. Yeah. All University. right. Go Rams. Yay. When were you up there? I was, I graduated in 2004. Okay. So so I got, 2000 to 2004. Uh, we were up there at the same time. That's weird. Really? Yeah. I, uh, I went from 2000 to 2004 and then from <laughs> 04 to 06 for masters. Yeah. Uh, that's, I was, funny, yeah, huh? I was involved in the radio. Were you like in student media or anything? I wasn't. Um, I probably should have been. I, <laughs> I, I, I started school as a, as a biology major, biological sciences. Really? I was going to do something in, uh, I was interested in, uh, like genetics and, and research and stuff like that. And, uh, my first semester, uh, I was like, wow, I don't have a head for this. I, I'm interested <laughs> in it, but I don't have, head for it and also i've always kind of been interested in movies so maybe yeah. i'll uh, i'll try so I, I switched to an undecided major and then uh, i started taking journalism classes so i'd have access to the equipment and then i just sort of started doing it myself i got my my degree is actually in television news which nice okay i never want to do for a living <laughs> but um I, I didn't i didn't put as much thought into it like like there's an art school here in colorado just down the road and, right. and there was you know they had a great media department the television and, and the radio and all that and i didn't get involved in any of that i wasn't really you weren't super strategic about it no but you know the plan was i mean i was i was 19 the plan is is i'm gonna make a a, a film and i'm gonna go to sundance and i'm gonna sell it for a few million dollars and then i'm just gonna fund the rest of my career that way i didn't know i didn't really know what i was doing or it's a hell I just, of a plan i mean aim, aim high right <laughs> why not <laughs> i mean I, in my defense I, I don't think i'm the only one who had that plan. no no certainly <laughs> who, who, not. who has that plan but yeah i just i i enjoyed the writing and I enjoyed and I wanted to try making something. And so I just kind of did it and mm. it might not shock you to know that it was not the best film that <laughs> was ever made. Oh, come on. It was, <laughs> I, I honestly, I don't know if anybody, I don't know. I haven't shown that film to anybody in years. It exists on like three mini DV tapes in, in a box <laughs> in my living room yeah. and I haven't shown it. So you got to find something to play those on. <laughs> 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 right? I mean, there's the technical limitation with that. A little bit. I have I have my old camera that I shot it on somewhere, and I've got the power cord somewhere, and someday I'll find all three of those things at once, and maybe I'll sit down and give it a watch. But <laughs> Oh, yeah. Get the drinks out and be like, wow, look at what I created. Um, I did, this is awful. <laughs> <laughs> I did a silent film and uh, a music video for a class 
we we had a class in the so you were in the JT department, right? Mm-hmm. So I was in the SP department. Okay. Yeah. And so I I majored in speech communication with a focus in media, and it was more like media analysis, media critique, that kind of thing. But one of the classes we took was called visual rhetoric, and they rented us a camera, and they like we had a whole kit, and we had to make uh, a silent movie and a music video. Oh, and, wow. and the silent movie was, uh, it was called Ready for Tonight, which I realized later sounds just like the title of that Jennifer Lopez song, uh, <laughs> Waiting for Tonight. And I'm like, someone pointed that out to me. And oh, now anytime I look at the title, I go, ah, oh, I hear that song in my head now. Th- oh. Yeah. And that, that's, that's always a, a bad realization, but it took us forever to name it. Cause like we yeah. shot it, we knew what we wanted to do. But uh, we didn't have a name, and so we came up with the name, and I go, oh, okay, this name is garbage. <laughs> but we won best in class. Like, the class voted us best silent oh, film, which was really that's cool. That's fantastic. What it did, and what I think people don't appreciate if they don't work in media, is for basically a five-minute silent movie. So there's no sound, which adds a whole layer of complexity. Yeah. We worked on that for probably... 30 to 40 hours. This is just five minutes of silent footage, 30 mm-hmm. to 40 hours. Yeah. It's crazy. It takes a lot more than you would think sometimes. It, it, it probably, I think most people would be like, oh, it's a silent movie. How hard could it be? Yeah, you just point the camera and <laughs> the people walk into it and do whatever they're going to do. And yeah. then you just uh, show it to the class and win awards, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> seems simple enough, cut uh, and dry. <laughs> I mean, it, it was funny, like, and, and it wasn't so much the shooting because the shooting, like we, we had, we put together a nice shot list. Mm-hmm. It was editing the thing that was just yeah. a nightmare. I, and I say a nightmare, but it was fun. It, it's work that you like to do, but man, it is labor intensive. It's a lot of work. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you said you were always interested in film. So you realized you didn't have a mind for biology. Uh, you were undeclared for a while, went into the J school and, what was it like? Like, did you have an aptitude for sort of the technical side or did you just like, were you interested? Did you have good taste or did you have any experience with that before? I didn't, I didn't really have any experience with it before, but <laughs> what I had at the time, I suppose, is that I was, I was 20 and I was willing and able to sit in front of a computer for as long as it took to, <laughs> to, to get it to figure it out. Um, right. <laughs> uh, which is, which is funny because I, you know, it, like these days, um, I don't, I don't know if, if I would have the patience to sit in front of a computer for 10 hours to figure out just this one shot that I know could be perfect. <laughs> but, but back then I did. And, and the, the great thing was that, um, as, as, as part of the school, I had access to, to the edit bays. And so during yeah. slow times when, you know, other people weren't using it, I could just go in and sit there for hours. And were you on Avid or Final Cut? Uh, Final Cut. Yeah, I was on Final Cut too. Yeah. What, what do you use today? Uh, Premiere. Oh, Premiere. Okay. And how did, like, how did you find Final Cut? I thought it was pretty intuitive. I mean, it's an Apple product. I I really liked it. I, I, I found it very intuitive and it was, um, uh, the, the more I used it, the more I started to understand where different things were and the easier it became to, you get a shorthand uh, with it. Yeah. And it, it, this is, this is going to date me, but like, I was like, not like I could pull out my phone and Google something if I didn't know where it was. So no it was, kidding, right? it was, I, I look back at those like, that's really hard. Cause that's part of the patience thing now is this what I'm, I'm sitting in front of me and I don't know how to do yeah. something. Out comes the phone and up oh, there it is. Okay. And there's probably a YouTube video that yeah. someone has uploaded that, that you can do. And 
I think if you're a young person listening to this, like not not to sound all old and crusty, but like the world was just fundamentally more challenging. Like you didn't have something in your pocket that was a gateway to limitless knowledge. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's wild. You didn't you didn't have the ability to to even just contact people and, and <laughs> right. and all these simple little things like I remember getting my first smartphone right before I was going to go on a trip and it's like wow I'm going to be able to figure out I'm going to know where to go for gas and where I'm where to find food right. without having to pull out a map and <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh it's a weird thing and it's a lot of trial and error but mm-hmm. I would say that gets you good and as part of the origin story of this show I linked to an interview from a number of years ago with Louis CK and one of Louis C.K.'s first jobs was in high school, he got, a, he got work at a public access station. And he was basically, he would go out there and cover high school football games. Yeah. And he tells this story about, he's like, this is what I tell young people who want to get involved in any kind of filmmaking or creative. People will a lot of times poo-poo the technical side. You know, they'll, they'll be like, ah, technical, I don't, you know, I don't want to be a camera operator or boom operator or whatever. He's like, you got to key on the technical because to have access to this equipment they need someone who can run this stuff, and it basically comes down to insurance. If you know how to do it, <laughs> then they can let you take it and you film whatever you want. Yeah. The high school football game was perfect because we had these three cameras, and like in this story, it's like in there, they're in these three big, heavy fucking cases, and like then people start to arrive, and you got to fire up the fucking van, and you got to punch in the fucking numbers of every player, and you have to do X, Y, and Z, and then the game is on, and you're you're going. And he's like, once I learned to do that, and that's such a mundane nothing job. Once I did that, I realized I could do anything that I wanted. Yeah. So what you're describing is in terms of college, you know, having access to both the edit bays and having access to equipment that you didn't have to buy and pay for, that had to be enormously valuable. It, it was. And, and, and I don't know. Because uh, it, was, it was very expensive at, at the time. I mean, oh, yeah. even uh, I remember buying my first hard drive to, to put my first project on and it was this big brick of it was like a <laughs> foot long and right. like three inches thick and I want to say it was like 360 gigabytes or something and it cost me almost $400 it was something absurd or, or it was it was it barely held anything but yeah it was especially for a college student it yeah. was well out of my price range so having access totally. to that is really the and being able to explore it to see like is this actually something i want to do before i really dove into it was was definitely very helpful (laughs) you know one of the things that's underrated about college is the freedom to try so many different things Mm -hmm. and i look back on it and i wish there were things that i did yeah yeah there's there's a part of me that's like i i was fearful of a lot of experiences that maybe i shouldn't have been yeah Uh, and i'm grateful for the ones i took like with the film but (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's funny that you said you never like worked at the TV station um, because neither did I, and I always kind of regret that. Yeah, I, 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 I do too. Honestly, it's like I don't know why I just I don't know why I didn't. Again, I mean, Again, it wasn't part yeah, of the right. plan. I was supposed to, you know, uh, be rolling in, in dough like by before I graduated and funding whatever project I wanted. But I don't know if that was my problem. But yeah, it's. I don't know why I didn't just go for it. <laughs> I, it, I mean, who knows? I, people take the leaps when they're ready. What was this film about that you created? 
It was about a girl who was trying to write like like the next big great American novel, and mm. uh, she was <laughs> so goofy. Uh, she she uh, wasn't feeling very inspired, so she starts like fucking with her friends uh, <laughs> to see how they react because she wants real human you know emotions. So she starts like doing escalating cruel things to people. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> Like what kind of things? Oh my gosh. Uh, I'm having a hard time remembering. I know she had one friend who was like very studious and very focused on things and she would go in and, and change her grades. And, <laughs> and the girl, the girl kept like, like studying harder and harder and staying up later and later. And then she would sneak in and give her a D instead of an A or whatever. Uh, <laughs> wow. And, 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 and after a while it became accidentally violent and it just. <laughs> Was this uh this strikes me as kind of like a black comedy. Is that fair to say? Or is this I think that was the intent. Okay. Um, Did it not read that way? That that was the intent. Um I I mean I, it was one of those like I wrote the script, I finished my first draft and I'm like, "All right, <laughs> let's shoot this thing," you know, and uh it was, you know, they say that your baby is gold. <laughs> It's perfect. Let's roll camera. You know, it was too Someone long. Someone get fucking Sundance on the line. <laughs> We haven't even shot it yet, okay? Sundance needs to see this. <laughs> they, you know, they say that one page of script equals a minute, and you're only supposed to be like 90 minutes to 100, and the script was like 150 pages. So let's just expand the margins a little bit. Like, what could possibly go wrong with this? It was... <laughs> yeah, you know what? Uh, Ridley Scott's movies are long, <laughs> but people are busting him up over it. Right? That's right. <laughs> Shit. Okay. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> You know, I, you know, I, I tried. I, 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 you know, and it was, it was, it was. There was a lot of really good stuff that came out of it. It was, right. it was uh, learning to work with other people was was a good thing. And but yeah, it it. So since, <laughs> since this movie was cruelly neglected by Sun, Sundance, I know, and uh, things didn't work I don't know out what the way they're you, missing out on. Yeah. <laughs> And things didn't work out the way you wanted, mm-hmm. right? Um, the the good news is the experience was positive enough to where you wanted to do it again. Yeah. So that's good. That's, yeah. Um, but so graduation's coming, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what were the next steps for you? Well, I I did. I mean, so that was that was my soft sophomore year of college. I did give the feature thing a go again. I want to say junior or senior year, and that one we didn't even finish shooting. Ah. Um, we, I, I still remember I was walking across campus and our lead actor walked by and we were supposed to finish up the film this coming weekend. And he walked by and he's like, Oh, I'm going skiing this weekend. I'm, I'm so glad I ran into you. And I just never saw him again. So we never actually <laughs> finished that film. So that one's sitting, uh, on tape somewhere. Um, is that guy still alive? I hope. I hope so. God, if I'm being honest, I don't know if I remember his name. I'm actually really horrified that I'm sitting here and I'm like, I don't remember plot points from the first film I ever wrote. And I don't. <laughs> well, you know what? I, how many. OK, so how many projects have you done? Well, since then, so I did those two. I, I've done I, 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 I've filmed 10 shorts and I'm working on I'm going to call it my. I guess technically it's my fourth feature that I've started working on, but okay. I'm. Uh, my first real feature, we'll call it. And I've also worked on, I've helped produce a handful of other projects. So I guess, I guess I can cut myself a little bit of slack that I don't. Okay. And what, what is the feature that you're working on now? Uh, it's called Trauma. Okay. 
And presumably this one's pretty fresh in your head. Yes. <laughs> um, give us a synopsis of what this one's like. Uh, this one is, uh, the, the basic story follows, um, a, a young woman named Allison who one day she's, she's, she's out driving and everything kind of goes fuzzy and she wakes up in the hospital and she doesn't remember how she got there. Um, and, uh, she's told that, you know, you were, you were in an accident, your car got, you know, T-boned and, uh, you hit your head and you're going to be fine and, and, and it'll all, it may come back to you. It might not, but you're going to be okay. But then as the film kind of progresses, things start to happen and she starts to, to wonder if people are actually being honest with her about what exactly it is that happened. And it's sort of a story about someone who hasn't really necessarily had to stand on their own, not, not on their own two feet, but someone who's suddenly in a position where her support system isn't there and she's having to advocate for herself and stand up for herself in a way that she hasn't had to before. Wow. Um, how genre wise, what would you classify this film as? We call it a psychological thriller. Uh, it's got a little bit of horror to it. Sounds awesome. Um, and so how close are you to finishing it? How long have you been working on it? And how close are you to finishing? <laughs> we, so I've been working on it. We cast this film, I want to say it was October of 2012. Wow. So we've really been an active production on it, I guess, for about three, three years now. Wow. Um, and we started... And we've started and stopped a few times, and uh, but the last couple of years we've really been going at it. And at this point, we have a couple of shoots planned in May, and I'm very much hoping by the end of May that we've wrapped. That you're done. That's that's the goal. That's the hope. It feels <sighs> like every time we get close to it, something new happens. But wow, um, that's that's the plan. <laughs> this this is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, and one of the reasons I love talking to local artists because. You have an idea, and presumably you wrote this script as well, mm-hmm. right? So you're writer, director, producer. You're, you're wearing many hats here. Yeah. Okay. So understanding that, there are people out there who are creating every day and, and creating stuff that, that, that may not ever see mainstream attention, but you create for the joy of creating and because you feel like you have something to say. And so I'm curious... What are the types of things that have caused this project to go on for? Presumably, you didn't want it to go this long. No. <laughs> <laughs> but like, what what can be the roadblocks to creating something like this? Uh, looking looking back, I think the biggest roadblock was that. In in a lot of ways, I I, I feel that I had my ducks a little more in a row than I did with. Uh, the college projects that I worked on. Right. Um, you started to ask me what happened after college. I, yeah. I, I went, I went to short films. I, I decided oh, yeah. to do what everybody recommends you do, which is start with short films. <laughs> and I made several short films and, uh, getting to see several projects through from beginning to end, I think really helped hone in for me what it really takes to make a production be successful. Okay. I also met Patrick Sheridan, who yeah. is amazing. And, and we're going to talk about him here in a bit. Oh, good. I hope so. Cause yeah. he, uh, changed my life many wow. times over. Uh, and he helped me a lot with, uh, you know, one of the things when I first met him was I was making short films, but they were still longer than they needed to be. And, mm. uh, I learned to, to try to put more work into the script before we started rolling camera and yeah. more work into post. And so after I had made these 10 films somewhere, I started writing trauma, I think somewhere around 2006, 2007. Mm. 
in around 2012, I was like, okay, I think this script, it's gone through many, many, many drafts and I feel it's ready. And I had met, I met uh, Brad Haig yep. of Nebulous Visions and he agreed to come on and, and shoot the film and we felt ready and we held, uh, we raised a little bit of money uh, and we held auditions and we cast it and we were ready to go. And I had saved up like, I think almost a month of PTO or vacation uh-huh. time at work. And it's like, this is going to be amazing. And then a few weeks after we, we cast the film, things kind of fell apart for me personally. The company that I worked for got bought out right. and my work life became very busy. And suddenly I didn't really have the time that's like, I can really can't take a week off now and go shoot a film. Right. Cause you, you have a day job too. I do have a day job. I have a full-time day job. So yeah. this is all stuff. I You're do doing this all, the all on the margins, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which um, God, I can't, I, I'm amazed at how much that comes up on this show. It, it, you know, it's a hard thing because I think, I'm trying to think of how to put this into words. Sorry. Um, because that, that was, I think the biggest hang up in the beginning for me because then, and then I moved to a different job and I needed time to get settled there and not take time off. And there's a lot of us that I think do have, you know, full time or at least part time work because it's, it's, it's not a really easy, at least for me, there are some people who, who make it work. Uh, doing this full time and making a living off of it, right. but but that's not the case for everyone. And I believe that art should be accessible to everyone. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it's fantastic when people make films in in the margins, as as, as I believe it was you said, mm-hmm. when they you know scrape it together in the evenings after work and on weekends, and they have cr- cast and crew that that are willing to to put in long hours um for perhaps not as much money as they would like right um sometimes even free i mean i i, I do pay my cast but not nearly what what they're worth because it's right you're money pay- that i'm funding after i pay my rent every month so sure yeah you're not um, you're not paying market rate I, i'm not and i so wish i i was because they deserve it but i'm so grateful right. that they're there that they're willing to go on this journey with me because I, I, I love the I, I love the idea that of every film being a well-funded film and and nobody rolling you know camera until they have a, a huge budget set up <laughs> right. or or even a, a moderate budget set up enough to you know and and every project is union but I, I also there's a part of me that thinks you know God just life is so short go out there and make a film yeah. it, it and and so I'm just I'm really grateful I I. Well, Eileen, it works both ways, too, though. You know, like, I mean, I applaud the sort of nobility of your intent here, which uh, is is spot on. And I think that's what everyone strives for. Well, not everyone. Some people are dicks. But, <laughs> I mean, that's a fact of life. It, yes, it is. But, <laughs> um, you know, the opportunity, it's, it's not every day that you're an actor that someone is trying to make, like, a feature-length film. You know, that and, – and it's something I've talked about on this show a lot, too. It's that – you know, sometimes uh, the younger generation will complain that you're getting paid in experience or you're getting paid mm-hmm. in exposure or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, with something like this, where everyone is sort of like scraping themselves together and it's DIY, yeah. you know, you, know you, you get a lot more latitude that way because people are like, okay, this is a cool project with someone who is doing it themselves. And, you know, there's no ulterior motive here. Like, let's just make something that's really cool. Yeah. And, like, if, if I can get a little bit of money for that because, you know, we all have time, we all have demands, we all have rent to pay. But the value is in actually, like, creating something together. Is that sort of what you're driving at? 
It is, and and I and I, I should I should probably clarify that I don't I don't believe that's it's always the case. I mean because I I do I think I think there is value in in working for experience. Not always. If if uh, there uh, there's a difference I think between a production that takes advantage of its cast yes. and crew when by not paying them when they're able to by right, you right. know a company asking for free labor because they're cheap and they figure they can get someone to do it as an intern. Um, right. But, or or make us a poster. You yeah. Know, it'll be seen by everyone. It'll be like, seen by everyone. But yeah, th- there's uh, definitely and I, and I feel the need to clarify that I do believe that there's a line. But um, yeah. But I I also I. I I do think there's value in, in productions like that where it's a really collaborative thing and we're all pulling together to right. do this thing and, and you're with not the trying to be, we have. Yeah, you're not trying to be exploitive about it. I'm not trying to. I, I, I Sometimes, like I said, I feel like I am because I the talent that I have on this production is just so amazing. It's like, I, I wish I could give you more. I just... And I'm, I'm so hopeful to see this film come to fruition and to finally get complete and yeah. I sincerely hope it was worth everything they put in because they've really stuck stuck with it <laughs> as well, it's been a while as it's it, it has it and uh, looping back I guess because yeah it, this is something that happens we all all of us involved have have day jobs we all mm-hmm. so we, we do primarily shoot on weekends and occasionally like a Friday evening um, but everybody involved is working yeah. and that's part of what has taken so long we if I could go back and change one thing it would be I wish I had taken a little more time to regather those ducks I felt like I put all this effort into gathering my ducks in the first place and then it started to fall apart and some of them started to run off. And rather than stopping and saying, okay, we're going to take a few months and get a you know, group them all back together and then we'll start. I just, I was like, we just need to get some momentum. Let's just dive into this. And yeah. it's, it's been a little jumpy because people's schedules fill up and uh, sure. we can only do it in bits and pieces. And we've had a few roles that we've needed to recast because people have, moved away from Colorado or uh, we had one actress who went SAG and Hmm. uh, we were already so well into production and I, I, I love the union. I have no, I have nothing against the union, but it was just like, I, I'm doing this all myself. I I don't have the the funds or the, the the time for the paperwork. And, and she also lived in LA at that point. It's like, it's, it's, it's too much. And, and, and she was completely, she was, I think it was actually the one who was like, you know what? I, it's, it's a small role. I don't know that you should go to such extreme efforts. I got you. (laughs) Okay. So a question for you. Yeah. Ideally, when you create something like this, when you create any piece of art, you're, you're, you know, it's not it's not self-serving. I mean, to whatever extent art is inherently self-serving, mm-hmm. okay, that's fine. But ideally, you want other people to see this, right? Hopefully. So, that's so when, <laughs> when you create like a feature-length film, sort of on your own budget here, you said you've raised some money. How, how do you, first of all, how do you go about raising money? We went the Indiegogo route. Nice, um, okay. And we raised we raised some. We didn't raise a ton, but we raised a chunk that way. And how do you feel about that model? Do you like it? Is it challenging? Do you dislike it? I, I like I like it. I think that it can be successful. It's a lot of work, mm-hmm. and I think it gets abused a little bit sometimes. I think it's really easy to throw together a campaign. Um, for anything and uh, maybe abused isn't the right word so much as it gets overused to the point that I feel that maybe 
10 years ago, I don't know, 10 years ago, back in the, around 2010 or 11, or mm-hmm. I guess it's only six or seven years ago, but I feel like, um, it seemed more successful because there weren't as many projects out oh, there. Right, and now sure. I feel like it's everywhere and I think it can still work and, 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 be successful, but it's a lot of work. And I don't, I, 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 I knew it was going to be a lot of work, but I was still thrown by how much work it was. <laughs> um, Upon completion of trauma, what ideally would you like to happen? How would you like to see it get seen by audiences? I'm hoping, uh, once it's completed, I'd like to try the film festival circuit. Uh, I'd like to, to get it out there and see if we can get a few screenings. Um, I don't know. Uh, since the film's not done yet, obviously, I don't know what type of festivals it right. would fit into, but I'm hoping that it fits into some. And, and beyond that, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I, I'm very intri- I'm intrigued by the idea of, uh, I don't know, I'm not, this isn't perhaps the technical, the, the right phrase for it, but sort of the self-run theatrical release hmm. where you do like a limited and you, you show it on a screen in this city for a week and that city for a week. I, 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 it's, it's a hard thing because you kind of, I, I do think it's smart to plan for what comes next while you're making it. Right. But there's also a part of me that's been so overwhelmed with the work that goes into creating it that I try not to get too far ahead because it also, I, I, I can find it irritating sometimes when people talk nonstop about where their film's going to go once it's oh, sure, done. Yeah. And so I try not to, 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 to do, to think that too much. Cause I honestly don't know. I, I, I want to think in a, in a perfect world, I want to think that it's a film that will do well on the film, the festival circuit and get a few acceptances in screen. Right. And I want to think that it's something that people will want to see and that I can show in theaters. And then maybe eventually I'd like to look into some sort of, possibly self-distributed. I, I don't, I honestly don't know much about distribution, so mm. I, I don't know if I would seek a distributor or try and do it myself, but I'd like to think that it will eventually live somewhere, um, in a digital on-demand world. <laughs> that would be cool. That's, that's sort of the goal. <laughs> so given that this is sort of uh, your, your main thrust in terms of directing and writing, you're also active in the film community doing all sorts of things. Uh, I know that when you joined up with Brad on the 48 hour film project, like I feel like that, and I hope Brad doesn't mind me saying this. I feel like that took Brad's work and the collaborations that you guys do. I felt like it took it to the next level because you brought sort of a different sensibility to it. And I remember I worked with Brad on the very first 48 hour film project he ever did. That movie, uh, eh, it was okay. <laughs> um, my friend Jason and I wrote it. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I have mixed feelings about it. It was a lot of fun to do. But uh, I remember when I saw Diary of uh, Anya Frank, uh, that was that put me on my ass. That movie was so funny. Oh. And then Catastrophe was great, too. <laughs> I love that. Um, I still haven't seen Thunderbolt 2. But uh, so... You're also, you also work with, uh, the Emerging Filmmakers Project and then Colorado Independent Women of Film. One of the reasons I also wanted to talk to you was number one, Brad recommended you. And number two, <laughs> Patrick Sheridan, um, spoke very highly Aww. of, of your work and the things that you do. Thanks, and, Patrick. and he, I mean, that episode was incredibly powerful for yeah. me. I mean, candidly, I don't, I don't talk about this kind of thing on the show, but that, that show, crushed like numbers wise yeah and i think it has to do with the fact that Wonderful. everyone in this community loves patrick he I, I don't know how you you, you can't 
No. I, I mean, he's, he's an incredible dude. And so how did you come to get involved with Patrick? Oh, Patrick, I... I, so back in 2008 or nine, I made, uh, I think my very short, first short film actually was a short film called Alone. Um, it was, uh, actually a short, short film. <laughs> and, uh, it was kind of a little bit of a horror film. And Patrick found me on, uh, back when Casa was a, was it a Ning site? It was a website before it was a right. Facebook group. Um, he Ning. found. Oh my God. I think that's what it was, right? Yeah, it was, no, yeah. I, I remember Ning and, uh. Is it this so long ago? <laughs> yeah. Like that's a social network I don't think really survived. I don't know that it did. I, I, it may exist, but, uh, not in any meaningful way in terms of our day to day lives. I, I think the only times to think about it is when people ask me how I met Patrick. <laughs> I think about it like oh, I was like oh yeah that was that was a thing <laughs> totally so he he found that and he invited me to come out to the October Emerging Filmmakers Project I think it was in 2009 was my first one and screen it and uh and and I think you have to know Patrick to understand how wonderful this is but I, I went there it was my first time at the bug it was my first time uh screening at the Emerging Filmmakers Project and I really wasn't I, it might have been it was my first or second public screening and i got up and i did the q a and i got off stage and patrick was like you know thank you for coming out you know I, I, a great film you're really not good you're kind of awful <laughs> on stage like 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 you you uh <laughs> like that was brutal that was that was kind of brutal like like you you don't like it up there you don't you did not do that well and uh, that, that sounds so mean, but if you know Patrick, yeah. like it, it, it doesn't come off as mean because no, and he, he's just trying to get into deeper truth. He, he does. Everything he says, it comes from a wonderful place of, of wanting to help. And he invited me back the next month and I came back the next month and I screened a film called schism and I got up and I did an Q and a, and I got off and he said, great to have you here again. Great film. Seriously, you're, you're <laughs> bad. You're really, you're not, it, it's, and he started at that point. It, it, I, I don't know if, because if, I was, I was, I was just pathetic and, and shy and awful, and I was living in a, uh, you know, my home situation uh, wasn't good, and I, my confidence was nowhere it needed to be. And I don't know what it was he saw, but he, I feel like he made me a pet project almost, because. Huh. Uh, eventually, you know, a year or so later, he decided to do this Colorado Independent Women of Film. Um, he, he had this idea for the Colorado Independent Women of Film, and he invited me and, and, some, and a bunch of other uh, female filmmakers to come out. And I was the only one that showed up that night, so mm. I became the program director by default. Mm. Um, but he started, it, it seemed like a mission of his to start putting me on stage and pushing me out of my comfort zone and uh, telling me that, I was a good person and, and I was a, a decent, I was a good filmmaker and I, I, you know, and telling me how I could improve. And that was when my films I felt started to get a little tighter because mm. he started, he gave me constructive feedback that, you know, cause up until this point, and I think that's one of the great things about the Emerging Filmmakers Project, I was showing my films to people who were in it and my family and friends who were sure. like, this is amazing. We oh love my this God. <laughs> and, and he was, he was like, you know, these are the things that I think you do really well. These are the things you need to work on. Mm. And uh, it was, you know, through his his support and his friendship that I not only improved my, um, my – uh, began to improve as a filmmaker, I, I started to 
realized I deserve better in life. And mm. I got out of this really bad situation I was in. And uh, I... I got a, a, I got a better job. I got, I got offered a position in management, which I don't know that I would have, I think him pushing me out on stage and make, putting yeah. me out of my comfort zone, you know, helped me advance to a point where I got recognized by, you know, my superiors and, and offered this position, which gave me the financial standing to move out of a really bad situation. And my yeah. life is like, I, I always talk about how Patrick changed my life, but he, he, I don't mean that as an empty sort of like, Oh yeah. You know, he, he really, he, yeah, it's not he a platitude. changed. It's not at all. He, I love that man with every fiber of my being. He is, he, he's so amazing. And he, and I'm not unique. <laughs> I just last night, I, I had someone approach me last night who talked about how much she misses seeing Patrick at the Emerging Filmmakers Project. And she yeah. got emotional. And, and then I got emotional because it was like, it's, he's, uh, he just, he's someone who you just, you want to be around. He just, he, he is so kind and so giving and, and has done so much for so many people. Yeah. And, uh, I, I just, I, I could go on and on. <laughs> well, you, you're one of the, the driving forces behind the, is it a GoFundMe page or is it Indiegogo? It's a GoFundMe. Okay. It's a GoFundMe for Patrick. After I talked to him, I donated some money, uh, and I saw that you were running it and I thought oh, that's, that's perfect. Like, and, um, how was he doing? I, you know, um, it feels weird to say he's doing well because he has a really awful, just fucking horrible disease that yeah. needs to, uh, fuck cancer. Sorry. Um, yeah. uh, he's, I mean, he's teaching. He's, he, he was, I mean, I mean, I think it was even, uh, you know, uh, on your podcast, I think you, it was two days before that you, it was a few days. Your podcast was recorded a few days before, uh, the date that he was given that he wasn't supposed to make it past. And that was yeah. four months ago almost. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, he's, he's here and, uh, I told him I'm going to talk to him again at the end of 2017. Yeah. Like I'm having him back on the show. Absolutely. So, um, I, I mean, I've been saying this, um, cause I remember when, when I, when I, if I'm being honest, when, when I found out, I, I cried for about two days straight. Um, and then I got a message, uh, um, asking me to, if I would work on this GoFundMe and, and I, that was when I stopped crying because that was when I was like, you know what? We're going to, we're going to beat this thing. Like, we're going to channel uh, this into gonna, energy. Yeah. And, 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 and it's, it's, it's not, it's not going to take him. And if anybody can, if anybody can beat a diagnosis like that, it's, it's Patrick fucking Sheridan. Yeah. And I think he's proving that now. Um, I, I think he is. And I mean, the, the, the zeal that he's had, that, that he's had to have to mm -hmm. find alternative treatments and cobble it together. And I mean, taking his own health in his own hands has been remarkable. Yeah, it's, so. and I th I think that's a lot of the battle is 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 that drive and that energy and that that spirit and that you know what this is going to get me is that, that's so vital and it it pleases me to see that he's maintained that. Um, I you know I I think his line on my show was uh, this fucking thing. <laughs> Uh, pick the wrong fucking guy to fucking fuck with. <laughs> and, uh, that, that's always stuck with me because yeah. I'm like, okay, that's a dude mm -hmm. who is, he's not taking any no. shit. That's fantastic. He's not. <laughs> um, okay. Well, we're, we're getting close to having to wrap up amazingly. And one thing I always like to do on this show 
because success takes a lot of different shapes and forms. And in terms of creating independent film and basically creating any kind of artistic endeavor that you hope people see, if someone is thinking about getting into the film community or getting into whatever artistic endeavor they they love and they adore and they, they feel that they need to get it out of them, given that, that you've done this now for a great number of years and, and had some success with it, what advice would you give to someone looking to do it? I would say, you know, and it's 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 a little it's a, a bit of a two prong thing because, you know, I would I would tell them that life. I mean, God, we just you know just having just spoken about Patrick and what he's going through, mm-hmm. um, life is short, and I think far too often, not just with endeavors like this, but in things with our personal lives and, and with relationships with other people and just how we we conduct pretty much every aspect of our life, I feel like it's, it's, it's easy to sit around and wait for permission <laughs> to, to do something. Yeah. It's, uh, whether it's going out and making a film or telling somebody that you love them or going for that job that you really want, but you just don't know that, yeah. uh, that, that you're qualified for. And I would say that at some point, you have to jump in with, with both of your feet. It's, um, uh, and I, I, I I say that as somebody who jumped in perhaps a little too soon and a little too far. Uh, but, uh, you know, I very much believe that everything, you know, all these things that happened to us happened for a reason. And even looking back at some of the failures (laughs) that I've experienced, um, uh, in all aspects of my life, everything, they all kind of like channeled together, like all these little like rivets, like in a, in a, in a bed, a riverbed, and they all, like all yeah. these little things, they all eventually come together into forming something. Um, so I would say if you have interest and, you know, to, to, to try, I mean, you can shoot a film on your cell phone these days yeah. and some, re- I've seen some really brilliant films shot on an iPhone wow. or on an Android phone. And there's no reason why your first film has to be uh Sundance worthy. And if we're right. being honest, it, it's a lot of people's 10th films isn't necessarily Sundance worthy. There's a lot of films that are Sundance worthy that don't go to Sundance because there are too many films that are Sundance where, you know, it's, yeah. um, I would say go for it. Uh, and, and if you can meet like-minded people, I think that helps. Um, yeah. you mentioned Brad and I think working with Brad and Mike Henderson, Mike who's Henderson. also, yeah, he's been on amazing. this show. He's wonderful. Uh, uh, you know, I, I feel like our, all of our work gets better every time because the more we work together, the more we learn. And yeah. that's, so uh if you can find groups on Facebook or events like the Emerging Filmmakers Project that happen the third Thursday of every month at the Bug Theater, <laughs> get down there and, and 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 just go and, and try to meet somebody. Totally. I, I was a judge at open screen night once <laughs> and uh this one crew showed up and it was this like sort of goofy parkour video. It was like this yeah. this sort of like uh it was almost like an action movie, but like in five or six minutes. And it was mostly so these guys could show off their sick parkour skills. Yeah. Right? But I'm watching and I'm like, this was actually a lot of fun to watch. Like, yeah. And the thing is, like, 
because I grew up in the nineties, your first instinct is to sort of scoff and, you know, be like, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, but I'm like, these goofy assholes, like, got cameras out, took time out of their day mm-hmm. and filmed themselves doing this parkour and then showed it to an audience. That is beautiful. Good for them. I love that. That is fucking yeah. beautiful. Because, like, creating something, no matter what it is, is better than not creating something and then regretting it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think yes. about, I had Jason Heller on this show, who is a writer for the Union AV Club. And he said, one thing I learned growing up in punk rock is that I used to think there were, like, turns. Mm-hmm. Like, you'd have to, like, you'd take turns, you'd wait for your turn, and you'd wait for your opportunity. And it reminds me of what you said, like, you don't have to wait for someone to give you fucking permission to yeah. do it. Just go out and do the thing and then like figure the rest out later. I started this podcast. I've told this show, uh, I've told this story any number of times on this show, but I had it in my head forever, right? And I go, I should really create this show. I need to get going. Then I found out my wife was pregnant and I go, Oh fuck, I have to create this now. <laughs> I'm like, because if I don't do it now, I'm never going to start it after my child is born. And so I, your advice is well taken. You got to do it and do it today. Just start today. Yeah. There's, there's nothing holding you back. There's, there's no one telling you no. And if there is someone telling you no, fuck them. Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, don't be afraid to fail. It's, it's, even if you do, I mean, you, you tried and that's. Yeah. There, there really is, there is really no failure. I mean, there can be, but to me, that's sort of an arbitrary construction. Mm -hmm. You just, you got to create. You do. So. That's what this is all about. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, Eileen, this was a lot of fun. Uh, now's the time when we do plugs. So where can people find you? Where can they find out more about your films? Uh, how can they get in touch with you? Plug anything you want right now. Uh, well, uh, I have a website. It's uh, tmdfilms.com. And then uh, our film Trauma also has a website. It's uh, traumathefeature.com. Um, beyond that, I'm on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, I, I, TMD Films and Trauma both have their own pages. Nice. And uh, Eileen Augusta, all one word on Twitter and Facebook. You can find and contact me there. Fantastic. Well, I will link to all that in the companion blog piece. That's on johnofalltrades.us, J-O-N of all trades.us. It'll give you all the ways to stay in touch with Eileen Augusta. And uh, I'll tell you what. Thank you for coming in uh, to, to Green Spaces, where I work. And uh, sitting down with me, talking about it, continued success to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. And it's a wrap on episode 133 with Eileen Agosta, independent filmmaker and a delightful person. I was thrilled to get to sit down with her and uh, chat with her about what it's like to be an independent filmmaker, everything that goes into it, and the many hats that she wears. I wish you nothing but success going forward, and I can't wait to work with you again. The John of All Trades podcast is a production of Deft Communications. Check out Deft on the web, D-E-F-T-C-O-M dot U-S. Our sponsor is 4Degrees, the number 4, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. If you're doing anything on the web, whether you're building a website, building a campaign, doing some social media marketing, or buying advertising, 4Degrees is the shop that you need because they will get you in front of the audiences that need to see you and do it for a price that you can afford. It's a fantastic company. I'm proud to feature them as my sponsor. So go to 4Degrees, the number 4 D-E-G-R-E-dot-E-S. The John of All Trades podcast is on iTunes and Stitcher, so download us there. You can hit that subscribe button. New episodes will come directly to you. We're also on the social media. Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, all under the same handle, J-O-A-T-Pod. 
Facebook is the only place for exclusive episode previews. Those go up on Monday. New episodes drop on Wednesday. I'll see you back here very soon with a brand new episode of the award-winning John of All Trades podcast, Westward 2017 Reader's Choice for Best Denver Podcast. And until I do, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.